Mando and Grogu and Boba. Oh my. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ninja Nerd Warrior podcast for Monday, December 7th, and happy Pearl Harbor Day, I guess? I don't know. Alright, so we're doing things a little bit differently than we're doing today. You guys don't have to just put up with my bullshit. I actually have a guest co-host today. I have the lovely Amy Orchard. Say hi, Amy. Hi, Amy. (laughs) Amy is, I've talked about her, she is the purple-haired hottie that has done some of my research And I'm actually bringing her on because she is a film student. And we're going to be reviewing this week's episode of The Mandalorian. And I needed a film student who was also a Star Wars nerd. And that's where Amy comes in, right? You have to talk into the talkie stick. All right, folks, you're going to have to give Amy just a little bit of uh, uh, indulgence here. She's very shy. Just a little. Just a little bit. So she's a bit of an introvert, and right now she's a little nervous, and I'm telling her, like, hey, there's only, like, nine people listening. Don't don't be too <laughs> nervous. But am I wrong? You are a film student. Yes, I'm currently uh, about to finish for my bachelor's degree in cinematography with Full Sail. So, yeah. And you're a gigantic nerd, too. So. Oh, gosh. So much nerd. Yes, that's why we uh, – that's why I wanted you on here. So, anyway, how long have you been studying film uh, – what would you call it? Filmmaking? Yeah, filmmaking, storytelling, really. Um, I've been at it for two years now. And you graduate in four months? Yeah, around April. Okay. And uh, how long have you been a gigantic nerd? Um, since, since birth? Birth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my mom was a huge Star Wars fan, so. Your mom was a Star Wars fan. Oh, and, and also a Trekkie, so. Oh, that see now that starts fights because Trekkies go. We're not Trekkies, we're Trekkers. Calm the fuck down. We're both we're all gigantic fucking nerds. Calm I've down. never heard Trekker. Oh yeah, no, that's a big thing. They're actually they get offended now because Trekkie has become a derogatory term. So now it's Trekker. Oh god, go sit down somewhere. Yeah, you're you're a fucking dork, just like the rest of us. Just be proud of it. But um, and your dad actually has a or had a background in uh, radio as well. Well, Dad actually has an IMDb, but uh, as far as radio is concerned, yes. My dad was a disc jockey. Gosh. Uh, Well, a little over a decade, I guess you could say. And then he went into TV. And what TV show were you on? (laughs) What TV show was I on? Yes. I I was an extra on VR Troopers. Which is on Netflix. It is on Netflix now. And now for a brief second, you can see me walk across the screen. (laughs) You are the only person I've ever talked to that's actually has, well, yeah, has, has, has been on TV before. I can literally say, I am on Netflix now. There we go. <laughs> okay, so we're going to get in this episode of The Mandalorian, and this was fucking awesome. Okay, so everything, I kind of feel like everything this season has built up to this episode. So what we had was, last episode, we had Ahsoka Tano saying, yeah, I'm not, I, I can't train him. He's already attached to you, but if you go to uh, Tython, you put him on the Jedi altar, and he will reach out. And so that's what they did. They flew to Tython, and he found the Jedi Stonehenge, 
and put him on the <laughs> altar. Is that not what it looked like? Yeah, no, it does. And I think they did say, they called it something like that in the episode. Um, Boba Fett did something like the Henge. Yeah, and it looked like it looked like Jedi Stonehenge. Mm-hmm. So he puts him on the rock. Nothing happens. Mando goes into detective vision for those people who have ever played uh, Batman Arkham City. And he's just looking for the controls. And all of a sudden we see Slave One. And we see Tamara Morrison, who is, um, he's re, re, what do you call it? Reprising his role. At, see, I have you on here, so I can't edit as much. So I'm going to fuck up a lot more. He's reprising his role as Boba Fett, uh, technically Jango Fett. And he was the DNA template for all the clones. Right. And so it's fucking great to see him back. But he just walks off a of slave one, just bantha or gaffy stick, just on his back. Gaffy stick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny because in the industry, ter- there's a term called gaffer. Right. So every time you say that, I think of a gaffer, and I'm like, uh, okay. Well, it's the stick they used to beat gaffers with. That's what it is. They fuck up and they take them out back. We can't do that now because they're all union. <laughs> but anyway, we have this face-off between Boba Fett and Mando, and. Boba tells him, like, I've been tracking you for a while. I just want the armor. And Mando, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, fuck you. You can't have my armor. Over my dead body. That's exactly what he said. He's pretty much said over my dead body. And Boba Fett said, no, dipshit, not your armor, my armor. And they start going back and forth when all of a sudden just fucking stormtroopers come out of nowhere. And I'm at first I'm sitting there going, why the hell do we have stormtroopers? And then I remembered, oh, yeah, they lowjacked uh, uh, Mando's ship in the last episode. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Moff Gideon, who I've been referring to as Grand Admiral uh, Gus Fring from Breaking Bad, is he tracked Mando to this planet and he just released the most useless stormtroopers I've ever seen in my fucking life. Yeah, one of them was complaining. He's like, there, there's too much fire. And then he gets shot in the face. <laughs> Here's my question. Have the stormtroopers ever done a good job no. Why did they stop using clone troopers? <laughs> Think about it. In the Clone Wars, the clone troopers could actually do shit. Stormtroopers are the most useless motherfuckers. I don't I don't think there's ever been a there's always one that that screws up or in the case of the newer Star Wars decides to completely what's that word again? Defected? Yes. Yeah. Defected. Yeah, um um Finn just said, "Fuck it, I'm out." Poor guy didn't even have a name. Actually, yeah, because he was FN, like, one... I can't remember what the number was. It was FN, like, 173 or some shit. But, yeah, that's why they called him Finn. But think about it. As the Star Wars franchise get, go, uh, gets older, the Stormtroopers get more and more shitty. They're just getting lazy with the training. And, is uh, yeah, well, again, why'd they <laughs> stop using clones? Like, did they run out of, like, run out of clones? Like, the budget went down or what? Stormtroopers... Ha- okay, here's another one. How is it the Stormtrooper armor is just the shittiest I've ever seen? It's never stopped a blaster bolt. You had a... Ewoks stopped him with fucking rocks and sticks. Or freaking Boba, that shot where he gets the dude right in the helmet and the whole, it shows all the plastic pieces just go... Oh, yeah, he hits him with a gaffy stick and the, the, the helmet just fucking splits. Shatters. It, like, like you hit a, uh, hit a PVC piping with a sledgehammer. That's exactly what it looked like. I wonder if that was actually, like, if they did CG with it or if they actually, like, hey. No, they actually put him in the helmet. Here, come dude. here, stunt dude. Let me, let me break <laughs> apart your helmet. 
<laughs> Stunt Dudes Union, you can do that. My favorite, though, He's got was, insurance. He's got it. Well, in the episode, Mando takes out four stormtroopers with a stick. He hasn't gotten his armor back. Did you just say four? It was way more than four. It was at least... No, he was surrounded by four stormtroopers, and he beat the shit out of them with a stick. Hasn't gotten his armor back. Hasn't gotten his blasters. He fucked these guys up with basically a pool cue. That, that was what, essentially what it was. A sharpened pool cue. It was a sharpened pool cue. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the stormtroopers... That was, I laughed. I laughed hysterically because you just hear, get back to the ship. We're getting our ass kicked. And that was like, <laughs> and they just ran. They fucking turned they tail. They did. They're like, the last shot where he shoots those two with his little kneecap thing. It goes, yeah. Phew, and the other guys go, oh shit. And they like, tie tail it out of there. I want kneecap rockets. <laughs> I really do. I want to walk through a shitty neighborhood with fucking kneecap rockets. Just. Hey, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if they had it on Amazon. I'm going to look now. Get my phone. <laughs> I'm going to look for kneecap rockets. I found a wrist flamethrower. That, that was, that's a thing. No. Yes, a wrist flamethrower. <laughs> it's, for, it's for magicians. And so what it is, it's a little compartment. And you just flick your wrist and it puts out like a little... You, you pl- flick your wrist? Yes. You just like flick your wrist and it throws out He's like a little... He's actually doing it. Yes, He's I am. He's demonstrating right yeah, now. Yeah, no. Um, You're not Spider-Man. It's never going to happen. Don't say that. You don't know that. <laughs> anyway, no, it's, yeah, it actually th- throws like a little flame spurt out for magicians and I wanted to buy it. A flame spurt? Yes. First you're doing the gesture, now you're talking about spurts. Come on, man. Well, yeah, it's, it was a little spurt of flame. It was, it was like a little flame jizz. It, well, that's, that's pretty much what it was. And, um, but yeah, so, but kneecap rockets. That's, we got off, we got off track. <laughs> Badass kneecap rockets taking out stormtroopers. Right. And the, the stormtroopers just said, fuck this shit. We're out. And they dipped. And they jumped back in their space DeLoreans. Oh, but Boba says, uh-uh. No, no, no. Wait. Hold on. I got a missile for you guys. Hang on. I'm glad they finally showed because Boba's always had that little visor thing, that little on his helmet, which I always thought when I was a kid, because the first time I saw Boba was Empire Strikes Back, 1980. I was three. I wasn't born. Shut up. <laughs> she reminds me how old I am, folks, all the time. Every chance I get. And I always thought that was like an antenna. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I seriously thought that was like you a cell what? phone I'm antenna not, or something. I'm not going to lie. I did, too, for a yeah. second. Yeah. And so when he drops it like right by the eyepiece, I'm like, they finally showed what the hell that thing's for. Because I was always bummed that Mando didn't have one. Mando, Mando did, yeah. No, Mando did not have a little cell phone antenna. That that's No, but he has a thingy that pops up to... For him to view, they did it. Showed it in one of the episodes previously. Like oh, one now, of I gotta the, go back I and, first season. I now, I gotta it. go back and find this. Yeah, well, I'll watch with you because I love Mandalorian. So, and then here's the part of the episode that bummed me out. We don't see the Imperial cruiser. We just see a blaster bolt come down and just blow the shit out of the Razor Crest. Bye bye. I was bummed. Crater. They did. They just cratered the fuck out of it, and I'm super bummed because that's kind of like blowing up the Firefly. It's just like, that's where he's lived for like a year and a half, and now he's just gone. And I was super bummed out about that. So, anyway, Mando is, or Boba tells him, like, he proves, he's like, hey, my name's on the armor. Like, he shows the little hologram. He literally goes, let me, I want to show you something. Like, after that whole big-ass fight. Hold on, let me let me let me prove to you. Look, my name's my mom wrote it on the tag. It's there. <laughs> see, or his dad, I guess. Was yeah, his my dad. dad put my name in my underwear. Yes. <laughs> it's right here. Can you see the tag? Look. 
I do. Well, I love the fact that we're past because Mando asked him, he says, were you a Mandalorian? And Boba says, I pledge my allegiance to no one. And he says, this is my armor. It was my father's before me. Would you take the creed? Bro, he just said, <laughs> Mando, well, no, listen. So what I don't get is why Mando is telling him, you know, oh, well, your dad was a foundling. And he goes, yeah. Oh, wait. So if you already knew your dad was a foundling, why didn't you just say that in the beginning and save this whole big drama about, oh, give me back my armor, girl. It was my father's. I want it back. But it's like, okay, well, just, just tell him. My dad was a foundling. He wasn't a Mandalorian. But, you know, it, blah, blah, blah. Just... Well, we, we've covered with the Bo-Katan episode, we covered that there's a lot of different types of Mandalorians. Oh, yeah. And only the children of the Watch don't remove their helmets. And so the fact that Mando is like, are you a Mandalorian? I pledge my allegiance to nobody. That was my armor. It was my father's before me. Just fucking say, hey, bro, my dad was a foundling. I mean, it's save some time. But then we wouldn't have this long, drawn-out episode. Is, was this with 30 minutes? I didn't even... This, yeah, this is only a 30-minute episode. I'm kind of bummed about that because everything up to this point has been an hour... And then, like, halfway through, I had to pause it because I think I had, to, I had to pee. And it's, like, 15 miles. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're halfway through? What the fuck? Yeah. And it's literally just, like, a drawn-out fight scene. So, s- storytelling-wise, you can tell if you take if you take a step back. And here's... I'm putting my film student brain on. Okay, guys? This is Filmmaking 101, folks. Take notes. <laughs> it's not Filmmaking 101. Don't take any notes from me. So... What I was going to say. Of the two of us, you're the only one that goes to film school. Like, I dropped out of junior college twice. So when it comes to, like, putting together a story, unless it's in a wrestling ring, she's the one you want to talk to, folks. So, um, so, so there's something that we learn about called the hero's journey. And it's something that a lot of the, um, the writers with Star Wars, they, they utilize this. And a lot of really good filmmakers use this as well. It's uh, actually a concept by a guy named Joseph Campbell. He, it's basically a classic story structure that um, a lot of stories or films follow, which is actually, it's re- really pretty interesting if you look at it. So basically what they do is they take, it's kind of like a, a circle, if you will. It starts out with everything looking like normal, and then you know the, the hero goes through all these different things, and then there's a new normal. And... When I was learning it in school, they basically used Star Wars as the example, which is really cool because it's it's so simple, but it can be so complicated. So if you pull yourself away and look at the show, The Mandalorian, as a whole, um, we're, we're two episodes away from the finale of season two, right? So... Season, season, uh, episode six is basically filler. It was a glorified um, fight scene for only half an hour. And if I only counted eight to ten stormtroopers in each frame, I could be wrong. I might have to go back and check. But I'm thinking because of COVID, because they can't have very many people on set, that's how everything... I mean, if you look, every single shot, there's like less than ten people in each shot. Keep in mind, we also have to make sure we have the audio Well, the stormtroopers people. had masks on underneath the helmets, too. Well, I guess... Wait, does that mean that if we want to go grocery shopping, we can wear a stormtrooper mask? They said mask up. So, yeah, I I got thrown out of Walmart because I wore a Batman mask. And that they, they were really upset about that because that doesn't do shit. Well, that's because you were covering the wrong side of your face, dear. Oh, is that what it was? Maybe. I thought they were Marvel fans. Shit. <laughs> 
maybe maybe it was a combination of the both. Okay. Next time, the try the Deadpool mask. Okay, that works. Now, but with this with the story structure, Star Wars is based off Greek mythology. George Lucas did a really good job with he everything is taken from Greek mythology. Uh, I showed you. I have this book on my on my bookcase. It's talking about Star Wars, the legend of uh, you know the myth myth of legends. I think I don't know my my shelf is like eight feet to my right, and I don't feel like getting up and getting it. But everything was taken off of you know Luke was the the hero and Han Solo is the the reluctant hero, and everything was just taken off of out of Greek mythology. And um, what was it? Oh, Darth Maul. I love Darth Maul because he's Sisyphus. He's basically he's just destined to fail over and over and over again. And there's so many things taken from um, the Iliad and the Odyssey and just old Greek mythology as it is. And now you're checking your phone. What what are you looking up? I'm looking up the, an illustration of the hero's journey because okay. it's it it actually if if you look at a folks mo- she is my she is my research department there's so many things she's fact checked for me and now she's just like oh wait I have to research this right as we're recording the show so <laughs> I mean if you look if you look at a, a more in depth look of a diagram of the hero's journey it actually mentions you know the, the hero gets an odd friend or a magician magician magical help which in the case of star wars would be yoda and the force so i just i just really like when everything comes together and if you've watched if you literally look at all your favorite movies or tv shows especially tv shows which i think is way more fascinating because you have to break break a bigger story down into little tiny pieces and sometimes a lot of writers and cast and crew, they don't they don't even know if they're going to get signed on for another season. So they literally have to make one season work. And then when they get signed on for a couple extra seasons after that, they're like, OK, well, how do we add to the story or how do we, you know, um, embellish certain um, or go into more go into more detail without adding to the story like go let's go back to season one where they talked about this and this and we didn't clo- we didn't basically there was no closure for that point um case in point supernatural like that was <laughs> that show they i was just thinking away. i was just thinking would that be would supernatural count as that i feel like supernatural there were a couple seasons where they're like yeah the story's great and there was a couple then some episodes where they were like uh, what do you guys want to cover today? Vampires? Well, well, no, the thing, I, and I know we're going to tangent, folks. Is we're, we're like, start of the Mandalorian, but goddammit, we're just going through all nerddom. Supernatural was only supposed to run for five seasons. Mm-hmm. Eric Kripke only wrote five seasons. And at the beginning of season five, Smallville closed out. Smallville went in their 10th season. They said, okay, that's it. We're, we're closing it out. And so CW goes to Kripke and goes to the whole Supernatural crew and says, we're going to need a season six. And they just proceeded to back up the Brinks truck and just throw money at everybody involved. And we got 15 seasons. Oh, boy, did we. Yeah, we got I mean, I, I the only season I thought sucked was season nine with the, the Leviathan season. Oh, I don't. We don't talk about the Leviathan season. Okay. <laughs> it's the Voldemort of seasons. It's no, the, no, no, It's no, a no. season it's, that shall not be named. Well, yeah, I guess. No, no. It's it's. It, if you're a true supernatural fan, then you can kind of get into some of the at least the storyline that that like the underlying storyline that drags the story through that 
hot mess of of a monster series. It just, gosh. I hated. Okay, so you started the Leviathan season with what sounded like a badass villain, fucking Leviathans. And then Leviathans start taking people over and start doing real estate deals. And halfway through, I'm going, the fuck? What the fuck is this? They're buying up property and building factories. And that was it was it was basically just a giant real estate hustle. That's all it was. I'm sorry. I'm on my phone again. Yes. Because I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what season six was so that I can. Season six was Sam came back from hell and he uh, paired up with Grandpa Campbell. And so they were just going to leave it that Sam got sent to hell. Hey, bye. Yeah, that was it. it. That that was a terrible ending. I don't know if Sam was supposed to stay in hell, but that was there was only five seasons. There was only five. And like I said, CW is like, hey, guys, uh, we need something to take over for Smallville. And Kripke and his writing team just went, "Okay, how are we springing Sam from the box? Because that's that's pretty much what we're doing here. And we carried on for 11 more seasons, (laughs) 10 more seasons. Did we already have angels by then? Yeah, we did. Yeah. And oh. the angel storyline came in in season three. Oh, wow. When Castiel showed up and said, I'm the one that gripped you tightly and raised you from perdition, which is still one of the most badass fucking lines ever. And he wasn't even supposed to be a main character. No. He was just supposed to no. be once in a while. And then the, the fan was the fan reaction was w- way more than they anticipated. And congratulations, Misha. You will never have to work again. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> the three of them. The three of them. I mean, they can oh, live yeah. off the royalties. I yeah. mean, that's like friends' money right there. They just live off Ugh. live off that shit for the rest of their lives. Unless they want to continue acting. Yeah, top, but you don't top that. How that's fuck you money. That's called having fuck you money. Like I might work, I might not. Fuck you, <laughs> I don't care. Well, I mean, on top of that, like they, I think it's really cute that um, Jensen Ackles st- started his own brewery. That was what he wanted to do, and he called it family business and i'm like oh my god <laughs> again that's fuck you money like hey what do you want to do um, well let's see um, i want to start a brewery and get people drunk that's basically what i wanted that's my that's my childhood dream and yeah okay i'm gonna i can get i can go on and on yeah about we, we've so far off the rails from man the mandalorian right now okay so let's, let's bring it back with grogu okay i'm sorry baby yoda's a much much better name than grogu i like grogu Right, but it's, again, Mando's not his real fucking name either. It's Din, Jar- Din Jardin. That's, it, yeah, it? they said it at the end of season one. Din Jardin is yeah, his real name. Yeah, but everyone's calling him Mando, so I don't think anyone's going to ever bring up his r- original name again. Right, so I'm just saying it's fucking Baby Yoda. It's kind of it's kind of poetic, isn't it? Because nobody really cares about Pascal <laughs> anyway. They're like, eh, we don't, you know, the guy in the suit. Yeah, the dude we, in the suit. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it, the character's real name is. Nobody cares. It's just Mando. <laughs> I And I talked about the last show, and I think I told you about this off air. Uh, Pedro Pascal just throwing a bitch fit over, well, they're never going to see my face. And then his action figure had a removable helmet, and the face wasn't his, and he threw a bitch fit about that. And then you have the episode with Bo-Katan and fucking Sasha Banks where they play Mando and the, the other guy. Because there were three Mandalorians, and nobody remembers the dude because, yeah. well, the first one is geek icon Katie Sackhoff. The other one's pro wrestling superstar Sasha Banks, and the dude with him, that other guy. Like, yeah. nobody knows that fucking dude. The third one. Right. But you have 
He, he's probably credited as the third one. Yeah, third <laughs> Mandalorian. The third Mandalorian. And Pedro Pascal's pissed off about that because how come they got to take their helmet off? And then we have an episode where you bring in Tamara Morrison, who plays Boba Fett, who got to take his helmet off. Like, at this point, they're just fucking with Pedro Pascal. You know what? I think that we should reboot the whole vote for Pedro thing <laughs> and make it like a, a campaign. Kind of like Save Britney meets Vote for Pedro. You probably don't even get the Save Britney thing either. Really? The Chris Crocker, Chris Crocker thing? Yeah. Save, no, no, oh. no. The, the, basically, there's because her dad has oh, the I've, whole conservatorship over her and everyone's like, she's reaching out for help. She needs help. And her dad's controlling her life. And oh my gosh, what's going on with Britney? Save Britney. Hashtag Save Britney is a thing. It's weird. Anyway, I just remember the Leave Britney Alone, the Chris Crocker oh, thing. Oh, yeah. That was... Literally, like, I'm going to hang up my blanket and, and do a quick little Vine about leave her alone. Before Vine was a thing? Yeah. Vine. That, that's how peace. old you are. Wait, what, am I, wait, what are you talking about? You're <laughs> anyway, older than Anyway, no. Me. Uh, <laughs> and I know we're fucking, uh, we're off the rails again, but fuck it. You know Kevin Federline's from Fresno? Ugh, Kevin Federline. Kevin Federline grew up two hours from here. And I don't think I've ever told the story on the show. I was working a wrestling match in, in Fresno, and I did not know Fresno hates Bakersfield and vice versa. I had no idea. I didn't know that. Yeah. They, they, fucking, they hate each other. That's like, funny. when the hockey teams play each other, yeah, it's, oh, it's like the Crips and the Bloods. And it's really bad. And I'm doing a wrestling match in Fresno. It's me and my tag partner, Jesse, against these two guys, the Channel Surfers, who are really cool guys. And they ring announcer comes up and says, hey, where are you guys from? And I'm thinking, oh, hey, Bakersfield, Fresno, they're fucking two hours apart. We're damn near the hometown guys here. So they announce us from Bakersfield. And oh, my God, this crowd hated us <laughs> because they said Bakersfield. Were you supposed to be the villain? No, that night? I was, we were working babyface that night. We oh, were, shit. Yeah, we're supposed to be the good guys. <laughs> and so I went. Oh, fuck this. And I walk up to the ring announcer and I grab the microphone and my tag partner's like, bro, what are you doing? What are you doing? What, what are you doing? Because nobody ever let me talk. There's, there's a reason. See, yeah. you give me mm -hmm. a microphone and this is the shit that happens. And I grabbed the microphone and I said, why are we getting booed? Because we're from Bakersfield. Okay. Bakersfield has Kevin Harvick. We have corn. We have, and I start naming off all these celebrities that came from Bakersfield. And I said, what does Fresno have? Kevin Federline? And that crowd wanted me dead. Like, well, I guess you're not playing baby face Yeah, tonight. we had to, we totally had to call it the ring and switch things up. And yeah, because we were no longer, we were not getting cheered after that. I went, oops. <laughs> well, back to the original baby face. Yes. Grogu. Back to Grogu. Grogu's not a baby face. It sounds like he's they, eating fucking. Like, he's eating the. Uh, I know he's eating frog the, ladies' the, eggs. Yeah, the unborn children. He's, he's and stealing he's and stealing fucking cookies from the little Indian kid in the in the classroom. Yeah, and parts from the ship. Yeah, <laughs> he's obsessed with the handle on little that fucking klepto. Thing. <laughs> klepto eating things he shouldn't. Eat. He is a true a true toddler. That's what he is. That's true. He's a fifty year old toddler. But all right, so at Grogu sounds like the writers were like, "What should we name him?" Uh, Grogu. That sounds like baby talk. Well, he's a baby. All there right. we go. Makes sense. So the dark troopers get uh, released from the Imperial ship. They fly down at like Mach 3. 
And then walk in slow motion. Yeah, it was, it was like they had spinal bifida. They they like they were not going. They were just stumbling. It was fucking horrible. And they grab the kid and they bolt. And uh, Boba's in Slave One, and he's like, "I've got a lock on him." And I'm going, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't shoot down the trooper." <laughs> They've got the kid. What the fuck are you doing? Don't shoot the baby. <laughs> Even Mando's like, dude, tell him to back off. He's I don't like, want the kid uh, hurt. Stand down, please. That's my that's my adopted son. Don't mess with my baby. Right. And so they get him back on the Imperial ship. And Boba's like, yep, that's an Imperial cruiser. I'm out. <laughs> Just sure. flipped a bitch and came back to uh, Kaithen. This joker said it looked like a butt plug. Nice job. Yeah, the ship looked like a giant butt plug. <laughs> With a pointy end. Ouch. And just lube that shit up. It's fine. Um, so we finally, we have uh, Moff, uh, Moff Gideon who says we have the donor back. And I love that because it goes back to the original storyline where they're using Grogu's blood. We're, they're using his midichlorian count, but we're not entirely sure why. Because, okay, so there's rumors that this show can go either way. This show can bridge the gap between... The original Star Wars trilogy, Return of the Jedi, and the Disney-fied version. Or it's going to go off more toward the Legends storyline, which both of them had a cloned Palpatine. So I'm not entirely sure which way this is headed. Well, they have those... I mean, we watched some of the behind-the-scenes of The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. If you haven't watched it, check it out. It's, really good, yeah. It's really, it's really in-depth and... For a film nerd and a Star Wars nerd, it was like, it was amazing. Right, and I and you're the one that like you're the one that really geeked out about that. I love seeing behind the scenes stuff, but you were the one that. Well, just the geeked first out episode is about all the directors, and then they have them sitting around this this whole round table talking about their experiences on working on it and listening to all of them. They're all at different stages of their Star Wars fandomness, whatever you want to say, and it's just amazing to hear from them because i mean how many people get to say that you know you're you're a really big fan of something and then you get to go work on that something like i mean you were a really big fan of wrestling and then you got to be in the in a freaking ring i'm sure that's i know well i know how you are you're oh i geek the fuck out yeah yeah that. i mean like just performing in something that you're actually passionate about i mean for me specifically i just going to universal studios as a film student i'm like ha <laughs> Um, so, I mean, even, what was I watching? I was watching something and, oh, uh, Jingle Jingle. I was watching it and some of the little scenes in the beginning of the movie, you can tell it's on the Universal lot. And I'm watching this movie, like geeking out, like, I know where that is. I've been there. I've been there. So, yeah. But it, back to Moff Gideon, like, what I liked about what, well, what I do like about how they're, he has very, very little screen time and very few lines. And I'm thinking about it from a cinematic standpoint. Like, they really... It makes him a much more terrifying character because you don't... There, there's so much that's left unknown. And when there's unknown, there's a lot of fear. So that it, it's really great, I think, as far as the filmmaking side or the storytelling side, that they... But the only times that we've seen him actually be on screen longer than like the fleeting, like where he's just like staring off in the distance on top of his wreck, his wrecked ship or whatever. But the only two times that I, at least that I can remember where he's has more of a story is where he's 
um, talking about the evil, sinister plans. And so basically, anytime we see him on screen, we're like, oh my God, it's worse than well, Darth and Vader. See, and, I, and I love that because, and I fuck around and call, you know, I refer to, because the actor, Giancarlo Esposito, I fuck around and call him, you know, Admiral Gus Fring, but that actor's amazing. And the reason I love, I, the reason I fuck with him so much about Breaking Bad is, you never watch Breaking Bad, right? Right. Okay. He plays a drug lord, but everything is very soft-spoken and he's... You know, Which is absolutely terrifying right. for people. And there is, there's an episode called The Box Cutter where he's just, he's all smiles and his public face is, you know, he's the owner of this chicken restaurant. But behind the scenes, he's this giant drug lord. And he's, like I said, he's all smiles and how can I help you? And, you know, and then one day, just one episode called, like I said, The Box Cutter, where he just walks up, doesn't say a word. He enters the frame never says a word. He walks in and he puts on like a hazmat outfit because he walks in a suit and tie, takes off his jacket, puts on the hazmat outfit, zips it up, walks over to one of his assistants, takes a box cutter and just slices the guy's throat. Doesn't say a word. And then he, and then he turns around to, uh, Brian Cranston and, uh, not the other guy. Aaron Paul Aaron Paul I was thinking Logan Paul I'm like no that's that douchebag fucking vlogger thinks he's a boxer Uh, oh boy yeah um, Aaron Paul he looks at him and says now get back to work and just walks off screen I'm going that dude's fucking terrifying and so he does have that credibility of being a fucking terrifying villain if you ever saw him in Breaking Bad and so when I saw him in the show, I'm not going to lie, I geeked the fuck out because I'm like, oh, shit's about to get real. Well, the way that they like eased him into the show, it's that it's, in itself was scary because it's just like, well, who's that? Well, what's going on? And they don't give you anything. And of course, like I said, cinematically, it's it's genius because they're literally setting it up for like, we don't want to give you too much because if you know all these things, you're not as scared of him. And we want you to be scared. We want you to see that there's a massive threat. And it's... It's scary. It's sinister. He's play. He's he's great. Well, and he's what great they did, what they the did villain. was gr- what they did was great because we don't see him until the seventh episode of last season. And then he's involved in the season finale. He's involved in that giant battle at the end. He's his tie- and the same thing with season two. He was he's not really very well. Much his in tie fighter is shot down, and we think he's dead. And then all of a sudden we see the dark saber. Yeah, the dark saber. That was a great reveal. So not only have they teased you with wait who is this guy you're sitting there going how the fuck does he have the dark saber what the what whoa whoa wait i have to wait a year for season two what the (laughs) fuck man so no i I think they've done a great job with that with that character and i want to see like what where they headed because we only have there's a lot of questions that they raised in season one and in season two that they are still needing to answer like uh, the 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 main Mandalorian chick that we never see her face, the one that was basically making the armor for Mando, she told him you need to take him to his people, which kind of like insinuates: Are we going to see Yoda's race? Are we going to see all these people? Well, but then then it turns around into we need to get him to the Jedi. So it's like okay, well, well, see that's great too because okay, so we 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 meet Bo-Katan. Pocatan says, go over here to Ahsoka Tano. Takes him to Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka, Ahsoka Tano, Ahsoka Tano says, 
Tongue twisters. I know. This is the first show I'm not doing at 4 o'clock in the morning because I'm like, I don't know how to do this fully awake. <laughs> Ahsoka Thanos says, take him over here to uh, Tython and put him on the altar. He will reach out to, to in the Force, and if there are any Jedi out there, they will come for him. Who do you think is going to come for the That's baby? the question. That's the question right there. Who's, because, who is the worthy trainer? Well, see, here's the Why thing. Why did I say trainer? I know it's not trainer. He, well, see, that's the thing is like there have been so much fan speculation because we know for a fact Luke Skywalker is still out there. And Oh, that's right. We're everyone's. This is only five years after Return of the Jedi. So Luke Skywalker is still out there. I really hope that they do choose my boyfriend for... Sebastian Stan? Yes, he's so cute. I honestly, I have no problem with that. I really don't because I think Sebastian Stan would, would be a great Luke Skywalker. Uh, somebody talked about, well, why can't you just de-age Mark Hamill like you did in the in the first part of uh, Rise of Skywalker? Because you can't justify $60 million budget for that one fucking episode, which is what the CGI would cost. Yeah. Um, somebody else said um, Ezra Bridger who is from uh, Star Wars Rebels. We didn't see we didn't see Ezra Bridger. We never saw him. You know, he's still out there. I I told you I'm revisiting all of the Star Wars Legends books. Uh, I don't think Quinlan Voss was ever killed. We never saw Quinlan Voss die. So Quinlan Voss could still be out there. And then here's the one that pisses me off. Hey, what if it's Mace Windu? I get no reaction. Okay. No, I'm sorry. I, I, cause I, I was looking. <laughs> I'm, Folks, I'm, she will just grab her phone and start fucking researching I have shit. Really bad ADD guys. I'm sorry. Um, no, he said Ezra Bridger and I'm like, I don't know who that is. I'm not a really big star Wars fan, but I'm big enough to keep up with conversation. I don't, I didn't know who it was. So I had to Google it. So I can kind of, you know, whatever, but I saw a headline that said Mandalorian season two, Raul, Coley, I hope I'm saying his name right, sets the Ezra Bridger rumor straight. And I'm like, wait, if he's going to join the Star Wars universe, I'm like, holy crap. So I got a little excited about that. So okay. I, start, I started reading the article as he's talking. And I'm like, oh, God, sorry. Keep my phone away from me. She's seriously my research department. Can you just looking shit up halfway through? But oh, wait, here's the thing that pisses me. If it's Mace Windu, I'm going to be fucking pissed. I'm going to be pissed because... He got thrown out of a fucking window and fell two miles to the to the ground below. There is no, no, no fucking way. John's he's he's a very good writer, and I don't see him flubbing this show up, especially since they have a spinoff coming out. Like they're being, you can tell that they're being very strategic about the story that they're telling for Star Wars. They're trying start. The way that they, the way that Disney Plus was released, Star the Star Wars has a new big huge thing that they're working on. They're they're not doing any more trilogy. They're, there's no way that they would do another trilogy right now because there there's too much writing on Mandalorian. And then if they have some this new spinoff, that's going to be think about it. That's going to be like Disney Plus doesn't have to make any more movies. The, well, here's, the way that here's they what have, they did. Here's what Disney did is when as soon as Disney got the rights to Lucas, Lucas, uh, film. As soon as they purchased it for 2 billion, 3 billion, whatever it was. And God bless George Lucas. 
<laughs> this motherfucker had one idea that made him a billionaire. God bless George Lucas. But as soon as Disney got the rights to that, it was the, it was a kid with a new toy. And that's all they did was play with that fucking toy. And they oversaturated their market. You have the sequel trilogy. You had Solo. You had Rogue One. You I still had... haven't watched Solo, and I don't think I ever will. It's I like it. I really like it. Everyone... <laughs> I say I like it, but I can't. Rem- I never knew the actor's name that played Han Solo. But I thought he did a really good job. I thought he did a great job. Uh, everyone's like, "Well, it wasn't Harrison Ford." Well, Harrison Ford's almost fucking ninety. It wasn't gonna be fucking Harrison Ford. He's not ninety. He's seriously like in mid eighties. No. Yes. No, no, no. Yes. No. No. Harrison Ford is thirty-two, <laughs> and he's very attractive. No, no. no. He's my- perpetually thirty-two. <laughs> like honestly, my mom loves Harrison Ford. So anything she's always raved about Indiana Jones and Star Wars. So you know, I I grew up. Did you like that? Did you like the uh, Indiana Jones? Uh, shout out in this episode. Oh yeah, the, the fucking big, boulder, the big boulder rolling at the stormtroopers takes out like three stormtroopers. Like pick up the seven ten. You know what else I liked? Maybe I'm just a big weirdo and I'm a nerd, but like I I always tend to pay attention to the foley sound effects because I I get curious. I'm like I wonder how I and then I try to picture. I wonder what circumstance they did to have to create that sound. Like you know when you're. Because because I'm a filmmaker, I've made a couple of short films and and some comedy sketches and stuff. So I know, I know how what goes into adding sound effects so it sounds more realistic. Because the shotgun mic or the boom mic is only going to pick up your your voices. You're not going to pick up the dirt unless you're you know having it the mic aimed at the person's feet lit so that we can get that audio of the person's footsteps in the dirt, right? So when I'm, we're doing the fight, all you hear is these girly man screams. <laughs> ah! And it's like, what the, how did you, how, where, I want to see the face of the person who created that sound effect. There was a lot of stormtroopers screaming for, for like, for life, screaming for their life here. I mean, well, I mean, it's scary. You got a couple There's... of guys in Mandalorian costume coming at you with, with, with their little jetpacks and their, their rockets and their, their missiles. Well, there was... There's a scene right there let's, where let's send another tiny ship down. There's the scene where Grogu is is bitch slapping the two stormtroopers in the cell with him. Well, uh, he's force bitch bitch. He's force bitch slapping the two. He, he's too tiny. He didn't. He can't reach their faces. Right, but he's he just throwing like, them around, and the screams were fucking hilarious. Oh yeah, it wasn't it, was, it wasn't realistic at all. It was very comical, and then freaking. So you're kind of like. At least for me, I was kind of like chuckling at the the way that this tiny little Yoda guy is beating the crap out of these stormtroopers with the force. And then freaking Gideon comes in and he shows him his saber. And the guy's like, he's like putting it in his face, but he's so sleepy. And you hear the little baby sound effects where he's just kind of reaching for the for the light. And it's like, oh, no, you're. You're too- you might put an eye out. Yeah, you might put an eye. You're put an eye out. Like seriously, like come on, guys. But going back like- to going back to uh, no, the Star Wars saturated the market, and now they have their own streaming service. So they went, hey, we can do these in series form. And you have two seasons of The Mandalorian. You have the Ahsoka Tano spinoff, which, oh, I didn't. Okay, that's the, that was what I was going to tell you about. So. Uh, do you know who's been cast in the Ahsoka Tano spinoff? Hayden Christensen. Oh, wow. They're bringing Anakin Skywalker back as a Force ghost. 
And I don't know if he's going to be a regular or if he's just going to pop up and like well, a he hasn't really role. been doing anything. If well, he, it would be in his best interest. Here's, if he wants here's that another money. reason I and hates a strong word, but fucking hell, I hate uh, Kathleen Kennedy. Isn't she not part of the whole thing anymore anyway? Oh, the, oh no, no. She's she's I thought you said that they kicked her out. Well, she was going to leave. She Disney said we're not after just the fucking ridiculous failure that um, the sequel trilogy was. Yeah, I still kind of like it. Disney said, well, I see. And I was watching uh, Force Awakens was on this morning Mm -hmm. and I'm watching this and there was stuff I didn't pick up before, which is how the fuck does Rey stand toe to toe with Kylo Ren in a lightsaber duel with no training whatsoever? She stood toe to toe with Kylo in a fucking lightsaber duel. I feel like they were never held to... a lightsaber in her life. Yeah, I feel like they were trying to uh, make her out to be a badass and kind of set it up because you know we find out that she's descended of what's his butt. Uh, so I did forget his name, so pal- I called Palpa Butt. Palpa Butt. Palpa Butt. No, it's Palpatine. <laughs> so basically. Maybe they were trying to foreshadow very poorly that she's very, very powerful because she's able to pick up a lightsaber and right. go, wah, but, wah, wah. but Luke was descendant from Anakin and still needed to be trained. And see, that's, and that was the shit that Kathleen Kennedy... They rushed, they rushed into that, right. the writing and that. Right, that was the that. shit. But anyway, yeah. Kathleen Kennedy, Hayden Christensen shot scenes for The Rise of Skywalker. He shot scenes, no, it was The Rise of Skywalker? Last Jedi. Either one. Flip a coin. Either one. But she, he, uh, uh, he was shooting scenes where he was going to be a force ghost for one of them, Last, Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker. And Kathleen Kennedy said, yeah, I don't buy him as Anakin Skywalker. Bitch, he played Anakin Skywalker for two fucking movies. You want three scenes. And don't give me the, well, Anakin Skywalker, he was shitty as Anakin Skywalker. He's the only Anakin Skywalker. He's the only one that, it, well, aside that from the tiny little dude from the first one, but the, right. the, he's the only one that played Anakin. Because unless you count the old man who was dying without the Darth Vader helmet, but like, that's, that was like a brief moment of right. but playing Anakin. She, she said, I don't, I don't buy his acting as Anakin Skywalker. Who? Who died and left her in charge? Well, that was a, that was the thing. Is okay. They so have, they, what's, they bought what's, Disney. What's dude's name? Who? Bob uh, Iger. No, D- David. Dave Filoni. That that's the guy. Okay, Filoni. But why they should have they should have brought him in way before. Here's that. why: because Disney wanted the Star Wars name. They wanted the Star Wars property. They didn't want anyone that came along with the Star. Anybody that worked on Star Wars, they didn't want them. They just wanted the property. Because Disney, big corporation, we can do it better. Really? I because don't think your, it was your sequel trilogy says no, you can't. I don't think I don't think it was necessarily. They think they could do it better. I think it was the fr- the franchise knowing that it was big, it was a money maker, and it was basically it was up there with Disney. Because Star oh. Wars was getting to the point where I mean, honestly. If you think about it, if you compare the Star Wars franchise to the Disney franchise, granted, Disney has a bunch of different Star Wars and Disney have been in business for 30 years. Right. But if they, what, think about it like this. Star Wars was becoming too big for its britches. And Disney said, if we own that, we can put it under our umbrella 
and it's still going to be another way for us to bring in money and revenue because let's 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 call it what it is the toy fran the toy oh yeah the merchandise yeah the merchandising for i mean honestly we talked about it before the the porgs like that was literally just for a toy oh absolutely because they had no storytelling value of any of the star wars movies like okay it's another right it's another race it's another animal that from the star well here's okay so here's here's to my understanding, here's what happened. Here's why Lucas sold uh, Star Wars at Disney. Because the fans pissed him off. Oh, come on. That's seriously what happened. Okay, he makes the original trilogy. Takes him 10 years to complete the original trilogy. Cost him his wife. Cost him his kids because Lucas's kids are Star Trek fans. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> Ironically, Lucas's kids are Star Trek fans. Roddenberry's kids are Star Wars fans. I fucking died when I found that out. But Lucas put gave up so much for that original trilogy. That's why it took him 20 years to do the prequel trilogy. And in the prequel trilogy, you know what, you know what came into existence? The fucking internet. Hmm. And so when you had these guys who are my age who grew up on the original Star Wars and then they go watch the prequel trilogy, oh my god, Star Wars sucks now. No, no, Star Wars doesn't suck. The original Star Wars was great because when you saw it, you still thought Chicken McNuggets was a good dinner. Okay, that's that's the difference. <laughs> All right? You were mm, a fucking Maggie's. toddler when you saw the original trilogy. And Lucas just recreated what he did on the prequel trilogy. Ironically, he did it without the wife that the original trilogy cost him. Who was the only person on the planet who would say, hey, George, this sucks. Rewrite it. Because when the sequel, when the prequel comes along, are you going to tell George Lucas, the billionaire, hey, dude, this sucks. Rewrite it. So we get Jar Jar Binks and we get, are you an angel? Gross. I didn't mind Jake Lloyd that much because you have kids. Nine-year-olds can be fucking annoying at times. No, I don't. Don't tell people that. Yes, yes, I have kids. And so, I mean, nine-year-olds, if you've ever been around one long enough, you're just like... Shut up. Yeah, like, bro, (laughs) pump the brakes, pump the brakes. Go play with your Game Boy and leave me alone. And so you had all these fans who were bitching about the prequel trilogy. And Lucas said, you know what? I'm done. I've been doing this 30 years. Here you go. Did he maintain any rights? Nothing. So he... Nothing. He's just George Lucas now. Right. Just a human. Yes. He's, I'm, I'm sure he still gets the royalties and everything off the... Everything he created, but anything there's, from... There's no way that he... Yeah, I was going to say, there's no way that he's not maintaining any kind of like residual... Right, but he gets nothing off the Disney-owned properties, which is why... my. This is just pure speculation. Speculation? Speculation. 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 <laughs> speculation. That's why Disney threw out the extended universe. Because all of the authors who wrote these extended universe books, the Timothy Zahns, the, um, who's the other one? Oh, God, you had a, Timothy Zahn is the only one I can think of off the top of my head right now. But I'm revisiting all the Legends books. Lucas had to approve all of those stories. Lucas was so guarded in the Star Wars properties that he had to approve everything. So I think Disney threw out all the extended universe stuff 
because maybe Lucas still gets a royalty on those. And so they don't want to pay out. Obviously, they got to pay the authors that wrote that stuff. They don't want to pay them out. They don't want to. So, hey, we're just throwing all this shit out and we're going to write our own shit. And their shit sucked a bag of dicks. That's it was fucking horrible. So I'm thinking that's why Bob Iger even says in his book. Yeah, we bought the oops <laughs> as I punched the table. Um, Bob Iger says in his book, hey, we bought when we bought Star Wars from Lucas. Lucas had three pre- preliminary scripts for episodes seven, eight and nine. And as a filmmaker, let me just say that breaks my heart that there are scripts out there that aren't being made. Like, come on, guys. Come on. We could. Can we just film something? Especially from freaking George Lucas. Like, dude, you could turn that into something else with like a whole ass script right. that's and just so, sitting there. But yeah, no, Lucas gave three preliminary scripts on, hey, here's where I think the, the, the series should go. Here's where I think the franchise should go. And by Bob Iger said, thanks, George. Hey, thanks. Hey, hey, throw this shit out. As soon as he leaves the office, fucking throw this shit out. And they fucking, he admitted it in his fucking book. Ugh. That, yeah, we took all of George's shit. We took him where his vision should go. And we said, thanks, George. Uh, don't, let the, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. What? So, anyway, let's go ahead and wrap. We're going to wrap this up. But where do you see, we have two more episodes left. How do you see this season ending? Oh gosh. Well, we can't we can't solve anything because if they solve anything then it's like then they have to come up with new villains and new everything. So the way I'm looking at it from a storytelling standpoint, I feel like next episode's going to be we're probably going to go back. Oh, I forgot her name. What's the character's name that is now a marshal? She's now officially a marshal. Cara uh Cara Dunn. Cara Dune. Okay, but what's her Gina Car- Carano. Gina oh, Carano's the, ca- the actress. The Cara char- Dune is the character. So I feel like we're gonna we're gonna see more of. They have to bring out more of. Explain a little bit more of her involvement. There's gonna be the plan. So this next episode is gonna be the planning episode, and then season finale will be obviously the boss fight. Um, so honestly, I don't I don't think that they're gonna get Grogu back this I, this season. I feel like it's gonna be another cliffhanger because even if they get Kro- Grogu back, like. Okay, now what? I mean, the whole the whole thing, the whole premise is that the bad guys want to have the blood of this little this little baby, the child. Um, I think that what they're going to do is we're probably going to hear back, or you know what? That's what it's going to. That's I'm predicting it. <laughs> so what they're doing is we're gonna ha- we're gonna see their them formulate their plan. All the the new rebels. Um, they're they're gonna formulate their plan. Now we know there's an empire, and now Grogu's already done his little reach out where he's looking for a Jedi. That what we'll do is, what it's gonna do is they're going to have the the good guys making their plan. Meanwhile, over here where Grogu's sitting here in a little tiny prison cell, whoever the Jedi is that they're bringing in is gonna go to find him because he's it's gonna be someone who's force sensitive. So maybe the boss fight will be, they make their plan, they go after the cruise, the big huge battle cruiser, or wherever it's going to go down, and as they're doing it, it's going to look like it's going to look like we're losing, and then this Jedi out of freaking nowhere is just going to pop in and be like, "Oh hey, I can do the help. Here you go. <laughs> I do you a help." I see. Okay, so I I like I like where your I like where your head is at. I honestly think that. 
Why are you laughing? Because there's a joke there. And there's you know a joke. God damn it. You're such a perv. I love it. I absolutely fucking love it. Anyway, no, I like where you're going with this. I honestly think Disney's going to use this season finale to set up. We have. Th- they're going to give us 8,000 more questions. Well, so they're they setting can... up. They have three spinoff series in the works. Three? Yes. You only told me about Ahsoka. They have Ahsoka Tano. They have, allegedly, they have a uh, Cara Dune spinoff. And they have filming. I, I and and I those are the two. I do believe if they're going to feed those two uh, spinoff series from this season finale. They need to the develop third the one, characters before well, they do the spinoff. The third one is uh, is going to have nothing to do with the season finale. It's going to have nothing to do with the series. But the third spinoff is they actually start filming the Kenobi spinoff series next month in Boston. That's that's a thing. So it's going to be all about. It's going to be it's going to be Ben Kenobi for, between the fall of the Jedi and uh, Star Wars. That that's the that's going to be the Kenobi series. And Ewan McGregor has already signed on to reprise uh, his role as Obi Obi Wan Scott Obi Wan's gonna Obi Wan's Kenobi. God damn it, Obi Wan wow. Kenobi. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, maybe I should just stay up late next time if I'm gonna be. Yeah, it's these. probably I do. I do these a lot better at three o'clock in the morning. I do. I'm, and I'm I do really good at sleeping at three o'clock in the morning. That's, yeah. That's what Here's what happened. Next time I'll get drunk, you get stoned, and we'll hit record and just see what happens. Why do I just have to be stoned? Why can't I be drunk and stoned? Because one of us has to be able to work this equipment. Well, anyway, <laughs> we'll talk about that. All right, folks. So we're going to wrap it up there. Um, we're actually coming up on the hour mark, which is a little bit longer than I wanted to go on this. But fuck it. It's Star Wars. God damn it. We're geeking out. Woo-hoo. So I want to thank you, Amy, for coming in and doing this. Of I course. appreciate it. And hopefully we'll be able to get you in on some more of these shows because otherwise it's just me talking to myself in an empty room. <laughs> you do that anyway. This is true, but. No, I get I get to post these. So, all right, folks, I am going to. I haven't even watched NXT War Games yet, so I'm gonna go watch that. Oh, <laughs> my research department just slipped me a note saying we gotta do a Harry Potter show. <laughs> I may be a little bit more of a Harry Potter nerd. Oh, I guarantee you're it. more of a Harry Potter nerd than I am. Oh, so totally. Yeah, so that's gonna happen. So, all right, I'm gonna go watch NXT War Games, and I will come back with a quick review of that show. So, I'll be right back. All right, guys, I am back, and I want to uh, extend a special thanks to Miss Amy for coming in here, and I was not going to make her watch the NXT War Games pay-per-view. It was, no, that's, I'm not that mean. That, that's just horrible. So, yeah, so we have War Games. We had War Games yesterday, and I am watching this right now. Uh, quick question, folks. Is basic booking, is that like a special class at the Performance Center now? Like, I really, I'm... I'm not making a joke out of this. I'm just making an observation that the week after Pat Patterson passes away, who was literally, everyone will tell you, was a genius at wrestling booking, we have the worst booked opening match in, God, I don't know how long. I have no idea. So we open the War Games pay-per-view with the women's War Game match team of Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, Tony Storm, and Candice LeRae. Going up against Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, Shotzi Blackheart, and Ember Moon. And, alright folks, this this is really simple. Really fucking simple. The match is, teams of four, they go in there, 
uh, two people, one member of each team starts it off. And then every three minutes, you put another member in, one from each team. Okay. And you alternate. You put the heels in first. All right. Really fucking simple. Here's why. In order to cheer for the baby face, they've got to overcome some shit. Simple, right? Really fucking simple. All right. But what does WWE do? WWE says, well, we've already, we know you've already seen this, so we're going to switch it up, even though it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. We're going to give your baby faces the advantage. Well, then what the fuck have they overcome? What the fuck have they seriously overcome then? I'm going to make this small comparison. There was, there was a movie like a while ago. Maybe you've heard of it. It was called Superman 2. All right. And Superman 2, who's the hero of Superman 2? Fucking Superman. Who were the villains? Zod, Ursa, Non. So wait a minute. Hold on. So you have one hero against three villains? Well, we can't have that. No, we did, because Superman's a fucking hero, and he had to overcome the odds of, from three villains. So why the fuck does WWE go, hey, we'll give, we'll give the heroes the advantage so you can cheer for them beating the shit out of people two on one? Anyway, it fucking makes my brain hurt. So we have Ember Moon and Dakota Kai start out, and these two, they took their time. They and that which is a smart move because in war games, the first two people are going for five minutes and then you throw in another team member from one team or the other every three minutes after that. So it's going to take at least 14, 15 minutes to get everyone in the match. And that's when the match officially starts. So for Dakota and Ember to take their time, it's a really smart move. But they were missing a lot of shit. They, they really were. At one point, Ember is flat on her back on the mat, and she goes for that, you know that AJ Styles uh, head scissors, where he basically does a kip up, grabs the guy in a head scissors, and flips him over. Seriously, one of the most athletic fucking things I've ever seen. Ember does it, and fucked it up. So, ladies, keep it basic. Keep it, just fucking keep it as simple as possible. Shotzi's the next person in. Because the baby faces having an advantage makes perfect sense. And Shotzi runs down. Now again, we have the heroes with a two-on-one advantage. Apparently it's not good enough because Shotzi goes under the ring and starts throwing fucking toolboxes and shit in. So now we have two armed baby faces against your hero. Or against your villain. I'm sorry. She's the hero because she's fighting two-on-one. And Dakota kicks their ass. You book these fuckers like a bunch of geeks because your heroes have a two-on-one advantage with weapons and still got their asses handed to them. Then we get Raquel Gonzalez who comes in and seemingly, seemingly evens up the sides, right? No. Raquel comes in and she's fucking Galactus because she is just fucking the eater of worlds. She is just devouring these two. She kicked everybody's ass in there. At one point, I think she hit Ember with Dakota. Like she picked up Dakota and have you ever been so pissed off you hit somebody with somebody else? That's exactly what Raquel did. All right. Rhea Ripley comes in and her and Dakota square off. And it's the big, it's the like the Battle of the Titans, right? You have Rhea, who's probably a legit 
five ten, five eleven. I don't know. I'm short. Anybody over five four is fucking tall to me. And you have Raquel, who probably comes in at six foot, six one. And you have this, like I said, this battle of the titans. And these two are really good, so they beat the shit out of each other. It was fucking great. Until Tony Storm comes in, and Tony Storm comes in and throws in kendo sticks. Wait, what? All right, folks. I'm getting really sick of the fucking kendo stick shit in WWE. I really... Kendo sticks are the super kicks of fucking weapons. All right? They are overused all the shit, and they're fucking meaningless. They mean nothing. I am sick of seeing fucking kendo sticks. On the upside, I haven't really been paying that much attention to NXT lately, but Tony Storm... Tony Storm got thick. She she did. And that's not a criticism. That That's a good thing. I'm just saying. I Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to... Yeah, I'm just going to move on. Um... Tony Storm got thick. Just saying. We have uh, Yoshirai comes in. She comes in next. And she can't get in the cage. She runs in the door. Well, of course, she runs in. She goes under the... Because everybody had to go into the ring and fucking throw more weapons in there. And Yoshirai just comes in and throws a hardware store in. It's just chair after chair and table and fucking chair. And I don't know. There might have been a potato gun in there, too. I'm not sure. And then she goes to get in the ring and Raquel Gonzalez just boots her in the face like a, like a dork. So Yoshirai is knocked off the metal stairs into the barricade. She looks retarded because she can't walk through a door. And it wasn't... Again, folks, this is, this is booking 101. All right? They did it in the later match where Adam Cole tries to come in and he gets triple teamed right as he got in the ring. That makes sense. That makes perfect fucking sense. It was three on one as soon as Adam Cole got in. Perfectly logical. Yoshirai got in and Raquel just made her look like a dipshit. So prevents her from getting the ring for the whole three minutes. Candice LeRae walks in. Or Candice LeRae's in next. She squares off with Yoshirai because Yoshirai has been just beaten like she stole something. And prevented from getting in the ring. And she squares off with, with Yoshirai when Indy Hartwell jumps the barricade in a neck brace and she just Pearl Harbor's Yoshirai. Wow, that, yeah, that's a horrible analogy now I think about it on Pearl Harbor Day. Um, just jumps her from behind, beats the shit out of her. Candace throws more weapons in, gets into the ring, and Indy Hartwell has a chain. She's got a chain and a lock that she wraps around, locks the uh, door shut, and then you have three referees on the outside who are, come on, Indy, give us the key. Give us the key. Uh, EO isn't in the ring yet. Give us the key. And Indy drops the key in her cleavage. And the referees are powerless. The referees can't get, cannot get the key from Indy Hartwell because the key is nuzzled safely between her bosom. And my first thought was, where the fuck is Aubrey Edwards? Where the fuck is Aubrey Edwards? Because Aubrey would have walked in and just fucking drove her fist down the blouse and got the fucking key. That, anyway, that's, that's what I saw happening. But again, I'm going like, I've seen female referees in NXT. You don't have somebody who can get the fucking key from Indy and Indy's in a neck brace. You could not get the key away from a woman in a fucking neck brace. Are I seriously think, every time I think WWE has outdone themselves, 
making their baby faces and their uh, referees look like complete fucking botards. You, you, you dig a little deeper and you find another level and bravo to you if that's the goal, I guess. So now we have everyone in the cage except Yoshirai and they try to pin Shotzi Blackheart, but the here, okay, at least you did this. At least the uh, heels fucked themselves because the match doesn't officially start until everyone's in the ring. You locked Yoshirai outside. You double teamed the shit out of Shotzi and then you tried to pin her and then you were told, hey, match hasn't fully started yet. So at least you made your bait, your uh, heels look stupid at some point. Yoshirai climbs up the cage with a trash can in her hand. She climbs up on the uh, platform that's conveniently welded to the top of the cage. She then puts the trash can over her head. I don't know why. And she does a fucking dive off the top of the cage with a trash can over her head. I screamed. I absolutely screamed because, folks, I've done dives like that. Not that high, but I've done dives. And you aim for the pile of bodies. Yoshirai has a has a trash can over her head so she can't see the pile of bodies so apparently Yoshirai just used the force and jumped and prayed to god they caught her and they did a great job of fucking catching her so good good for them but a few minutes later Yoshirai finds herself inside the trash can again I don't know why I'm not sure but she ends up in the trash can Dakota Kai comes off the top rope and does a double stamp double stomp not a double stamp double stomp Onto the trash can, this fucking trash can just collapsed on Yoshirai. Like, that had to suck because you can't brace for it. You don't know when it's coming. And Dakota Kai just double stomps the shit out of this trash can. And then she tries to pull Io out of the, out of the trash can to cover her. Why? She's, she's flat on her fucking back. A trash can has been molded to her body. Pretty sure she's not kicking out. Just fucking cover her. But I think Dakota knew like, oh, this, this was fucking stupid. And tried to get out of the trash can to make sure she wasn't dead. We had, oh my God, we have a few minutes later. Shotzi Blackheart has a ladder set up. She's climbing the ladder. I'm not entirely sure why. This wasn't a ladder match. Candice LeRae climbs up the other side, and they're fighting on the top of the ladder. She hits Candice. Candice takes this amazing bump and lands on two chairs. That had to suck. That seriously had to suck. And the spot was Shotzi comes off the top of the, of the ladder with an elbow drop onto Candice. But for some reason, Candace has to pull the chair out from under her butt, put the chair on top of her. I I'm not entirely sure who this was supposed to hurt. Like, was somebody supposed to put a chair on top of Candace and they, they blew the spot? Was Candace using the chair to, you know, deflect the elbow drop? I have no idea what happened, but rumor is that Candace broke her fucking arm on that spot. So I'm, I'm reading a lot of articles saying that the chair got driven into Candace's right arm and Candace had to go to an emergency uh, room. She had to go to a hospital because she possibly has a fucking broken arm on a spot that meant nothing. Fucking nothing. So anyway, 
you have uh, the match ends with Raquel just doing this one-arm choke slam th- uh, on Yoshirai through a ladder. It looked great, obviously a gimmick ladder, and Raquel pulls her out of the rubble, covers her one, two, three, and Team Candice goes over in the most backasswardly booked shit since uh, that I've seen since Russo quit TNA. That's that's pretty much that was on this level. Next match, we had Tommaso Ciampa versus Timothy Thatcher, and Ciampa came out dressed like Maximus from Gladiator. It looked fucking amazing. This match, oh my god. This match was just two ugly guys having an ugly fight. It was great. They beat the shit out of each other. I do believe Ciampa stiffed him on a knee to the side of the head because Thatcher's ear exploded. He was just bleeding all down the side of his head. And I'm just going like, all right, either this motherfucker's ear exploded or he gigged his own ear. I'm not entirely sure. But these guys were great. And Thatcher is just working him over, working over the neck. Great psychology in this match because Ciampa has a history of neck injuries. And so Thatcher just just exploited the shit out of that. Ciampa blows a great comeback. Just a fucking amazing comeback. He has Thatcher in a bulldog choke. And I'm thinking like, dude, you're going to tap him out. You're going to tap Thatcher out, which is great because that's Thatcher's gimmick. Thatcher is Mr. Thatcher's Thatch can, right? And so I'm thinking he's going to tap out to this bulldog choke. No, they actually beat him with, uh, he's outside the ring. Ciampa pulls him in, goes for that uh, Willow's Bell DDT and covers him, pins him. This was fucking great. Um, I would probably say the most this I would say this is candidate for best match of the night. I really would. Next match we had up was the Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes in a strap match. I was not looking forward to this. This this feud kind of ran its it's ran its toll for me a couple months ago. But I love Cameron Grimes. I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Dexter Loomis. But anyway, Grimes comes out and he is Cameron Grimes is such a fucking amazing shitty heel he is seriously oh he is just the oh you you can't help but fucking hate this guy you 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 hate him but you love to hate him because he comes out and he's got his own strap he's got the strap how this became a strap match i have no idea because didn't these fuckers just have a blindfold match and then before that didn't they have a fucking house of horrors match or some shit i don't know but he comes out and he says nope i got my own strap and the referee argues with him, no, no, Cameron, this is this is the official strap, which apparently there's an official strap. I don't know, was it apparently it was approved by the by the uh, commission? I'm not sure, because wrestling has a sporting commission. Nope. Either we either we use this strap or I'm leaving. And so the referee looks at Dexter and says, Do you mind? And Lexter Le- Lexter? Dexter <laughs> just stares at him just like a coma patient. Just fucking nothing. So, all right, fine. We're using uh, Grimes' strap. And then, he, and then he jumps Dexter Loomis. Grimes just jumps him, and for five minutes, it's just a fight. And I'm going, then what the fuck was the point of the strap match? So he beats the shit out of him outside the ring. He finally puts a strap around his, around his wrist. And then these two had pretty much every strap match you've ever seen. This, there was nothing, there's only so much you can do when you're fucking lashed to the guy by 15 feet of leather in between your wrist and his. So these guys had a really good match. I, 
I laughed because at some point, Cameron Grimes, they're outside the ring. He picks up Dexter Loomis and just does, he's got him set up for a belly-to-back suplex and just pitches him over the top rope. And the camera guys tried to hide it, but you can see the crash pad that Dexter Loomis fell on. So, oops, <laughs> that sucks. Uh, Loomis makes a comeback. He starts beating the shit out of him over the rail. Cameron Grimes takes a bump, and I notice Cameron Grimes has a hero's tattoo on his uh, left wrist. Anyone else notice that? Remember heroes? Save the cheerleader, save the world. Fucking great first two seasons of any show ever, and then it took a big shit on seasons three, four, and five. Anyway, um, I kind of want a hero's tattoo now. So, the finish of this was actually kind of sweet. They had a chair standing in the ring. They set up this chair. I don't even remember them setting this chair up. I have no recollection of how this chair got set up. I just noticed, oh, wait, there's a chair in the ring. And nobody's moving it. Referee's leaving it in there. Grimes is leaving it in there. Loomis. And I'm going, oh, they're going to use this in the finish. Sure shit. Exactly what they did. Cameron Grimes goes for, well, like a punch. Miss. Clothesline. Miss. Goes for a spin kick. Miss. And every time he did it, he kept rotating and rotating and rotating so that the strap gets wrapped around his ankles. Dexter Loomis yanks this strap. Grimes just takes this fucking amazing face bump into a steel fucking chair and you just oh the sound this chair made when when Cameron Grimes's face hit it oh fucking great and uh Dexter Loomis goes puts the the silence on him which is his head and arm choke Grimes's ankles are lashed together and he fucking taps out so it was an entertaining match for a feud that should have died two months ago. Your semi-main event is going to be for the North American Championship. It's got champion Leon Rush versus Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano and poor Leon Ruff. He has seriously been booked like a joke this whole time and this poor fucking guy was, he was the prop in the championship match. Normally the title is the prop. No, the champion was the fucking prop in this one and you got, okay, so they got rid of him for a little bit as, okay, so Damian Priest keeps telling him, like, get out of here. Get out of here. Leon, get out of here. I don't want to hurt you. And I'm going, like, could you make your champion look like a bigger loser? Where the challenger's like, I don't want to fucking, I don't want to. And then, at one point, Damian Priest, who said, I don't want to hurt you, picks him up at a fucking razor's edge and just caber tosses this poor fucking guy through a barricade. Now, the rumor has it that the barricade wasn't supposed to move. But as Leon Ruff's body hit it, that the barricade just said, fuck it, and collapses. You have fans who are, uh, fan, one fan, singular, who was trying to run away from one bar the barricade that's falling. She runs into the barricade behind her and knocks that one over. So I'm just going like, oh, so these things were just set up like Legos. There's nothing. All right. Okay, cool. They take Leon Ruff out of there, and it ends up being one-on-one -on -one between Priest and Gargano, which ends up being great. I mean, it's Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest, so how is this not going to be awesome? And I'm thinking, like, if you got rid of the champion just to make this a one-on-one -on -one match, that's kind of fucked up. And as I'm thinking that, Leon Ruff makes, his, makes a return like a fucking hero. 
He comes running down the aisle. He starts just unloading on both guys. Fucking great until Damian Priest. He goes to hit Johnny Gargano with a flatliner. No, choke slam. He goes to hit him with a choke slam. Leon Ruff tries to break it up. Priest grabs both of them, and I'm like, oh, do not choke slam these two on top of each other. That is going to suck if Leon Ruff has to take a flat back bump and then at the same time have to, uh, has Gargano bumping on top of him, that's going to fucking suck. But instead of a choke slam, Priest just does a double flatliner. I'm like, all right, that's, that's at least a safer bet. Gargano takes back over. He's got, he's got pre set between the two rings because uh, War Games pay-per-view. Priest's head is on the middle turnbuckle. Gargano picks up Ruff in a body slam and just fucking throws Ruff head first into Damian Priest. So it seriously looks like their heads just fucking cracked together. I hope they took care of each other on that one, but it looked sick. It looked just throws rough into priest like a fucking dart oh my god priest starts making a comeback and then he gets attacked by the ghost face killer gang there was seriously at least six or seven people in fucking scream masks on the outside there weren't this many scream killers in the scream movie franchise that that was fucking stupid oh my god and you have priest who's fighting back six on one because that's what baby faces do. They defy the odds. And he's killing him. He's killing him six on one, three on one side, three on the other. He goes to set up for his finish on Gargano when a seventh ghost face killer shows up and just cracks him in the back of the head with a lead pipe. Fucking lays him out. Priest outside the ring. Gargano picks up Ruff, hits him with the one final beat DDT. Gargano's your new North American champion for a third time. As they're walking up the aisle, you have Johnny Gargano with his newly won championship. Ghostface Killer walks up, pulls the mask off, and it's Austin Theory. And Austin Theory, this kind of, I, I chuckled at this because Austin Theory's looking into the camera and going, it was me. It was me the whole time, which is a nice little shout out to Vince McMahon and the higher power angle from that shit. But he's yelling, it was me the whole time. And I'm going, all right, well, who are the other six guys then? Like, did the Retribution guys, like, they did they need a side gig? What's going on? So, anyway, new North American champion. So, finally, we have your main event evening of the night, the men's war game. You have the Undisputed Era of Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong versus Team McAfee, which is... Oh, what is fucking McAfee's name? God damn it. Pat McAfee. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. I blanked on Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee, Pete Dunne. Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. This starts with Kyle O'Reilly and Pete Dunne, which, oh my God, this was fucking great. This was a technical masterpiece because this is how you just work for five minutes. Um, newsflash, Kyle O'Reilly and Pete Dunne are fucking good at their job. Oni Lorcan is your next person in because, wait, hold on. They actually booked this fucking correctly? And Oni Lorcan comes in, and him and Pete Dunne just torture the fuck out of Kyle O'Reilly. The full three minutes. So you're waiting for somebody on O'Reilly's team to come in and even the odds. Which is exactly what happens. Bobby Fish comes in and just starts kicking the shit out of O'Reilly and of Lorcan. And then you finally your odds are 
your odds are evened up. All right, Danny Burch is the next one in, and Danny Burch goes under the ring because the heels are the ones that are supposed to bring the weapons in the match, you retards. All right, the heels should be cheating, so they're the ones that should bring the bring in the plunder, as as Dusty used to say. Burch grabs an orange bag, and he throws an orange bag in. And I'm going like, what? What the fuck? And he goes into the bag, and he pulls out a cricket bat. I don't know why this was funny to me. I, I just I don't know why it wasn't a baseball bat because Danny Burch is British. He had to bring in a cricket bat. And as a wise man once said, you got to know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. Roderick Strong comes in next and the sides are evened up again. And this was I, I thought this was awesome because I forgot to mention this. Every time the the time ran out for Team McAfee and they had to put somebody in. Pat McAfee starts to step forward and everyone's like, no, no, I got this. Pete Dunn did it to start. Oni Lorkin did it when when time uh, came up again. Danny Birch did it. Beautiful heel shit. Where Pat McAfee's like, nope, I'm ready to fight. And then his buddy goes, no, I got this. And Pat McAfee, being just a fucking shitty heel, goes, all right, go ahead. And lets his friends fight his battle for him. This is what this is what heels do. Take notes, folks. These are the little nuance. So McAfee comes in next. And these guys, you have Lorkin, you have Birch, and you have Dunn, who have just humbled the shit out of Undisputed Era. Beat the living shit out of them. So when McAfee comes in, of course, McAfee's got to go into the ring. And just like Yoshirai, McAfee throws in a fucking hardware store, like three chairs, four tables. All the tables had uh, the Undisputed Era logo on them and their name spray painted on them because those are the tables that they're going through. This is all fucking great heel shit. And of course, like I said, since Undisputed Era has been beaten down, McAfee comes in and he just... Like, he just starts being a piece of shit. Just takes his shots. He hits a beautiful beautiful moonsault. Like I was, I gave Pat McAfee some shit. I really did uh, after the last match because I didn't think he should have been booked as well as he, he was. But going back and watching that match again, I went, oh wow, this is his first match ever. That was really fucking good. So Pat McAfee, I take it all back, sir. Bravo, sir. Adam Cole finally gets in. And like I said, Adam Cole's coming down to the ring. He's about to jump in the cage. And Team McAfee, you have Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, Danny Birch, who are waiting for him to come in. They're waiting for him. So Cole goes under the ring. He was the only babyface that pulled uh, weapons out. And he pulls out the giant, just comically large pro wrestling fire extinguisher that's got the, like, the funnel. And he sprays the fire extinguisher into everyone's eyes to get in the ring because they cut him off. And they still kind of triple team him. But now this is just a fucking fight. This is great. We finally have four on four. This, I thought this was great because you had a bunch of shit. At one point, Pat McAfee does the Yoshirai spot where he climbs up to the top of the cage and you can see the platform. You can see the plate of fucking uh, uh, steel that he's standing on. And he does, he does a pretty damn good swanton off the top of the cage and takes out all seven other guys. And I thought this was pretty decent. Uh, some people said that 
they didn't think he got caught. I thought he did okay. Uh, but at one point, the these two teams, they just teed off on each other. There were chair shots, and there were cricket bat shots. We had the Undisputed Era getting put through tables. Uh, one table, I think. And then at one point, Danny Burch is on the table. They powerbomb Pete Dunn off the top turnbuckle. The spot was supposed to be that he goes through Danny Burch on the table. Table decided to go into business for itself. It does not break. So I believe it was Bobby Fish. So ah, fuck it. Dives off the top row, puts these through guys, put these guys through tables. Uh, there's a great comeback where all three members of all three members of Team McAfee, besides Pat McAfee, are sandwiched between the ropes and the cage, and all four members of Undisputed Era just take turns just beating the fuck out of these guys. It was like Bobby Fish just runs in, gives him a giant flying uh, reverse elbow. And then O'Reilly runs in, hits a forearm on Pete Dunne. And then Roddy comes in, hits a giant knee strike on Pete Dunne. And then Adam Cole hits a super kick. And then they went down the line and they all four of them hit the same thing on Oni Lorcan. All four of them hit the same thing on Danny Burch. So Team McAfee has just been, oh, they just had the shit kicked out of them. Pat McAfee's in the other side of the uh, cage. So now it's four on one, and now they just stomp the shit out of Pat McAfee. And I know somebody's going to bitch, but Greg, you said that you said it shouldn't, the heels, the heels should be the ones with the four on one advantage, not the baby. Oh, shut up. No, this is the come. This is, this is the heel getting his comeuppance. This is basically, this guy's been a piece of shit for weeks. You'll want to see him get his ass kicked. This, this is it. This is the payoff. Okay. So totally fine to do four baby faces on one heel when it's the payoff to the heel being a fucking shithead for weeks. Finish of this match really kind of anticlimactic because at one point, okay, so this match went on for 45 fucking minutes. Okay. This match went on probably 10 or 15 minutes longer than it needed to. But at one point you have... Uh, I want to say it was Danny Birch. Danny Birch has a chair in his hand and Roddy and Bobby fish hit like a total elimination where uh, fish hits a kick to the tick to the face and Roddy hits a leg sweep. Birch takes a bump and the chair comes down on Birch's face. Kyle O'Reilly's on the top rope, hits a bombs away knee drop onto the steel chair. That's on Danny Birch's face. Oh, poor Danny Birch's face. Oh my God, because that, when he hit that, all right, let me put it this way. Kyle O'Reilly gets the pin, one, two, three. Undisputed Era gets the, uh, wins the match. And then you get a camera shot of Danny Birch. And this fucking guy is bleeding above his left eye and from the left corner of his mouth. So this poor fucking guy, oh my God. But anyway, so that was... Uh, that was NXT War Games, except for the first match. I thought it was a pretty good show. So I'm going to give this one kind of a thumbs up. And anyway, I'm going to wrap this up because we are at the 90 minute mark. I don't like normally doing shows this long, but uh, Amy and I started geeking out over Mandalorian and a lot of other shit. So, all right, folks, I am Greg Hernandez, the Ninja Nerd Warrior. You can find me on all major forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. I still have t-shirts for sale over at prowrestlingtees.com slash ninja nerd warrior. So go over and pick up some merch. 
Christmas is coming up, folks. Need some extra money, and I really don't want to add Pornhub to the list of social media sites I'm on. If you enjoy this podcast and you want to recommend it to other people, you can go over to ninjanerdwarriorpodcast.com or you can go on to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from. Uh, go ahead and uh, give me a review. Give me five stars. You can lie. It's okay. I don't mind. And that is going to wrap it up for uh, this show. So uh, take care, guys, and I will see you next week. All right, guys, thanks for letting me pay some bills there. And I am the Ninja Nerd Warrior, and you can find me on all forms of social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And feel free to go on any of those and drop me a line. Send me a message. Let me know if you like the show. Um, if you don't like the show, don't, don't hit me up. And uh, <laughs> you can also find this podcast anywhere you get your favorite podcast from, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And with that, I will say good night and uh, I will talk to you guys later. Bye bye.